0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Wonderful. I know some of you are on your post-Rugby World Cup Blues. You're like, what do we do yesterday? What are, you, what are we watching? No one's shouting. Um, it's been an incredible week, um, seeing what God is on the move. And if you are new to the life of our church and this story, how we preach is... We call it in series. So we look at a subject matter. We look at a book of the Bible, and we preach through that for a number of weeks. So often there's a rhythm to what we're preaching. There's a context into which we're preaching. And we've been doing a series called Eternity Matters for a number of reasons. But one of them is so that our perspectives on our decisions on this side of eternity are weighted and given perspective by the Word of God and the eternal picture that Jesus presents. Jesus spoke much about eternity. He spoke much about what happens beyond this life. He spoke into the context and actually speaks about us, those who've received His grace, having eternity set in our hearts. But too often, all our decisions are made with a perspective on this side of eternity rather than the promised eternity coming. And all we're saying is that this time we want to make sure that our perspectives are not fashioned by just realities of economics politics challenges and those are real no one's denying those but there's something that is greater something that is higher it is the promise of the word of God for the hope with which we look forward to that we sing about in worship and it brings courage to our soul it gets us in a position and posture of faith to navigate this life we need that I need that you need that we need that and the word of God calls us to that but the only way to get back there is to come under the Word of God and speak life into those contexts and that situation. So that's um, the, the series that we're in. And, and something that holds me and something that holds us is from Luke chapter 11, where we get this presentation of who God is. And it, Jesus speaking says, If then, though fathers of this earth, though they are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more the Father in heaven? If you backed me into a corner and you said, in three words, tell me the gospel, we'd all have different words. For me, it would be this, how much more? When I look at the cross, I see how much more. When I look at creation, I see how much more. When I look at redemptive stories and people's lives, I see how much more. When I look at my own heart that often defaults to smallness, there's a lack of that revelation unless the word comes and says, how much more the Father in heaven? And whatever you hear today and whatever you hear in the series, I ask that your greatest revelation would not be how to be a good Christian. That's such a small revelation. It is who is God and am I called to be like Him? And if I'm called to be like Him, which I believe every believer is, we go on that journey. We go on a journey of becoming like Him. Hello. Hello. That was a lot. I can see some of you like, whoa, get him off that stage. And... Um, but this morning's a little bit different, and once a year as a family, we speak about a subject that I never heard for 20 years in church, and we call it this, and the title of today's message is, Show Me the Money. If you're over about 35, you remember a movie called Jerry Maguire, as Tom Cruise got excited and he was shouting, and, and but that's not this moment, it's not my moment to gee anyone up to give any money or show any money. But as a family, I remember being a 21-year-old, starting out in the corporate world, earning a salary, choosing what decisions to make, what perspectives I'd hold on to, and starting a journey of faithfully sowing into the kingdom of God. But I always had this, like, where does it go? Who's going to tell me a little bit about where it goes? And for years, I knew nothing. And I mean nothing. I was in church for many, many years. And then only many years later, when I had the privilege of coming to leadership of a story, finding out just a little bit about where actually the money goes. So as a family, if you're new to this family, once a year, we take a moment like this. I'm going to take 15 minutes at the start of the service and then 15 minutes just to share something else. And I'll share a little bit about where and how we spend the money of this church. Because this church is a faithful church. And I honestly believe that leadership has a call to transparency. Leadership has a call to partnering. And we call people to something called partnership. And, and partnership is more than, this is the language of partnership, Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love the confidence of Paul. He has a confidence in Christ Jesus. He says, but I, but I thank you for the fact that we get to do this together because why are we are partners in the gospel? And, and this moment, this show me the moment is a celebration of our partnership in the gospel on that mission. So if you also, if you're new to the life of the church, we're not very bright. We tend to forget. So we put it up on the wall what we're on about. We say we want to reach those who are far from Christ. We aren't here to just entertain Christians on a Sunday. We aren't here to give Christians something to do on Sunday morning to tick a box. We are here to reach the world with the love of Jesus to see salvation come to our city and to this nation. We are here to crawl to reach far, far in geographical terms, far in, in any terms, maybe just the prejudices that sneak into men and women's hearts. The gospel wants to get in there so he can pull us into a big story called the gospel. Secondly, we want to raise people up in Christ. We want to raise them up. We see people growing strong, finding feet, finding strength, being able to navigate life and doing that in community and in power and seeing that transformation happens in community. And lastly, to release wide, to see men and women who are sent out with the mandate upon their lives to see the kingdom of God come. This young lady here who bounces on worship and celebrates is actually married to a young man who lives in Germany right now. And because of red tape, she can't be there right now. But on the 12th of December, she'll be there. And it's our privilege as a family As much as we are sad to lose the gift and the life upon this story, it's our privilege as a family that when she goes, we celebrate the sending because with her goes something of the kingdom of God that is uniquely placed upon her life. And so we don't just, well, you can go, will you? No, we celebrate, we send, we release because that's what we do. And as we navigate this together, we understand every time every one of us leaves this building, whether your job is an accountant, whether your job is a nurse, whether your job is a homeschooling mother, I don't know what the story is. We release you with the Kingdom of God mandate. So I'm excited for this morning. And I want to share some of you that and yes, we do. I want to set up front, and as we've done for the last couple of weeks, we encourage people to give. But while we started out with a series on eternity is there's a bigger picture than just be a good giver. There's a bigger story called my hope in Jesus, my hope in eternity. Number one, I believe giving is good for your soul and my soul. I've done it since I was 21 years old, consistently every month. And there have been times where it was tough. And there are times when you navigate those things and you're going, well, do I pay a student loan first? No, I pay what I give because I want to be like God. But it's also good for the gospel advancing. And I want to be a part of something that's advancing into age beyond where I can go into stories and lives, and lastly, it's good for the world that the church would lead in generosity, revealing the king. So here we go. Can you say together, show me the money? money. You never thought you'd hear that at church (laughs) or say that, but um, we want to give a perspective, and we don't do rands and cents, because obviously it's contextual. There's a whole bunch of stuff. We do percentages and growth to show people and give an idea of how and where we spend, and I look around this room, and I know many people have no idea, and maybe just Maybe just that person goes, I don't actually care. I just know I want to give and be a part of it. That's cool. But actually, I believe in partnership. If I was to partner in a business, I'd kind of want to know a little bit of what's going on in the details of that business. So first of all, just to give you an idea in terms of some of the the numbers and the the increases or growth in our area, I want to say thank you to this amazingly generous church. That, yes, we have grown as a number. We have grown as a people. We have, yes, four congregations in the city. But you have given— and I want to say thank you. Our, increase, our giving has increased 25% in the last year, which is amazing. And, and uh, we, um, we don't take a single moment, a single cent, a single offering for granted ever. It's one of the things we talk about often as a staff, that God gives us a privilege to steward something. So when it is Juice for events or small things, we want to make sure that every cent is stewarded well to see every bit of the kingdom of God come. Yeah, our income as a total has increased a little bit higher percentage. That's because we've been able to sell a few more things on a Sunday. We've also um, had the privilege of, of doing a few things like sound desks that were purchased for a lot, being able to sell them and see investments come in those things. So just to give you open-handed awareness of that, the reality, those inc- inc- expenses have increased. As we have pioneered into new venues, it doesn't happen free, and there are costs. Electricity, I I was just looking as I was looking at some of the numbers and understanding some of these realities. Um, We use more electricity, more toilet paper, more consumables. We have more staff. And I want to say thank you for that because we are planting and we are pioneering. But I trust that as you look at these numbers and understand everything is in relation to the mission that we feel God has given us, that as we go into a new venue, there are increased costs. And some of you might never benefit from that venue. You're going, well, why are we spending money there? I worship here. No, we're on a mission. See, why? Because 70 people built this building of whom very few are still around. But they built this building so that you and I could be a part of receiving something of God's story in our life. And we get to partner in that. And I'm going to keep calling people to adventures, to dangerous stories that, yes, are costly, but pull us into a bigger story. And we're managing those things. And then just on the right, don't get scared. Margin is purely the space that we have for our accountants in the midst. It's a net profit, factoring in some balance sheet expenditure to make sure that we're showing there's more money coming in than there's money going out. That is true. And our margin, we have about a 4.5% margin, so meaning of our total income, we're able and have been able to save about 4.5% of that over this last year. And I want to thank the finance of Just Church for this, and we invest into future things and and what God has got for us. To break it down, we break it into four areas. And as we show you the money, we break it into four different areas that are realities in the life of our church and running church. The first one is, is operations, and this shows how it's spent 64%, 13%, 13% beyond our walls, and 8% for heart behind the house. And I'll explain those each and individually. The first one is operations. And the reality is we've worked really, really hard to make sure that this is a number that keeps coming down in our total spend. And um, every church in the life of a church, like the life of a business, when you are the sole proprietor starting out a business, the biggest expense often is you. Because it's your time. That's the biggest expense. But when it comes to the life of a church, there are expenses like people. So in this number, this very big number, in the largest portion, portion of our spend, there are salaries for our staff. There are making sure that the lights stay on. Our electricity went up 40% this last year. And that's just the rally. And that's not just it's because we have an extra service. Remember, we added a service. That means more electricity, more lights, more water, more heaters, more all that jazz, more toilet paper and the good stuff. The good stuff, and, um, and, and, uh, but we'll work hard, and salaries and wages, we'll work hard, things like entertainment that have come down, and I know some of you didn't come to church for a board meeting this morning, but, but actually, how do we partner if you don't know something of your return of investment? Maybe that's language some of our business people want to hear. What's my return on investment? Here's your return on investment. The lives changed. The baptisms that happened last week, the family got baptized, even though that lady has a challenging health situation choosing Jesus in the midst of that chaos. Why? Because there's a family willing to serve and love them at this time. That's why. It's the return on investment. Finding hope, finding life, young people finding stories. And so, That number, the desires, that number, and and just to let you know, because I realize many of you wouldn't know, I have the privilege of being a part of a number of churches' finances and and helping and assisting. Actually, that includes all salaries, all expenses, all of it. It's actually quite low in the mix. Many churches' salaries will be far higher because of just the numbers of people, and we want to make sure we keep bringing our operational costs down so we can spend more and give more in the areas that see the vision of God come for fully. Does that make sense? The second area that is important, and that's our second biggest area of giving is special events and ministries, and all we're doing is showing, I'm just showing you the numbers since I took over the church in 2014, and I want to show you something of the story, the financial story, because I can show you an income statement, it doesn't tell me the story. I could show you my bank statement, it doesn't tell you the story, there's been a journey to this point, and we've worked really hard to make sure, as God has clarified our vision is to reach those. We, we don't have a mission unless we're reaching, seeing life change, transformation coming to stories. We want to reach those. So we've said actually one of the ways God allows us to do that is through special moments like Christmas. Christmas. I'll be brutally honest with you. I would love to go to bed early on Christmas Eve, wake up late on Christmas morning, open presents with my kids all day. But you know what I do? I do a lot of church services. <laughs> Why? 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 And I'll never, never moan about it. I'll never complain with my family. We talk about it and we just prioritize our time. Why? Because on those moments and those days like Christmas and Easter, those are days people come to church on their seeking journey. Those are days family members will come with you when you invite. Those are days we see transformation. We hear test me after testing me. Well, I came on that day and someone greeted me at the door and someone gave me a coffee and just put it in my hand and it hit my name on it. And someone came and greeted me at my chair. And you know what's happened since then? My life has changed because I met Jesus. That's why we live. That's why I live. And so those moments have to translate to something of our spend and intentionality. I cannot put that on the wall and we do nothing about it. We have to be spending in those areas. And it's some of our ministries as well, our youth, we spend 56% more on youth this year versus last year. And we need to spend a whole lot more. That's when you're supposed to shout as the youth. that's, That's. But, but um, we we want to serve this area. This area is full of youth from single parent homes where drugs are running wild and causing chaos in people's lives. We want to see freedom and life come. So we want to serve them. We want to invest in them. And it looks like burravolt rolls on a Friday night to young people. Some of you are like I would love a burravolt roll on a Friday. Come to youth and um, and we spent eighty one percent more on kids this year than the last year. And the previous year was a huge investment as well. Why? Because you love people's children. You serve them. You invest in the children. Their hearts will open up to someone called Jesus. I don't need them to remember my name. I don't need them to remember a Life Kids teacher's name. I need them to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, at this time and this age where people are protecting their kids because everyone's wanting to hurt them, we want to be those who will invest, who will spend and prioritize children at this time. So I trust this makes sense. The next area, probably the most exciting for me with an intentionality is to make sure we can't call people to give and not be something of a giving house. Does that make sense? Like give to this story, but we're not going to be a conduit. We're calling people to be a conduit of God's goodness, but we as a church aren't going to be. No, we're intentionally wanting to make sure that as a church, we will go above and beyond. And we've worked hard to make sure that we are giving as a church well beyond What we have given before, and this includes areas. Last year, I told you we invested into a whole bunch of church planters who I've had the privilege of meeting when I've ministered in the Middle East, church planters in Sri Lanka and Pakistan. We've been able to invest in other areas. Some areas, our number one, one of our number one investments is Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer. and I'll keep telling you, maybe you've never heard their name. They were the planters of this church who were then on eldership with this church for a number of years after we transitioned. And almost every week, probably 50 weeks of the year, they're in different churches around this nation and the world, investing in local churches, growing leadership, speaking about evangelism and calling people to Christ and how to do that, and sharing their knowledge and wisdom in those areas with local churches. From, they've been in churches from Soweto to the wealthiest areas of Pretoria, down to Durban, and in February they're in Cambodia. Colombia. No, Cambodia. Cambodia. Preaching the gospel. And we get to partner in something of their ministry, but other areas as well. Some of the giving to the poor and making sure that people within our community are looked after. This area is an area where it does not benefit us at all. There's nothing to our staff, nothing to our facilities, nothing to anything we are doing. This is purely external giving into investments in other churches. Corinthians speaks clearly about actually thank you for your giving in sacrificial times. Thank you for giving, for being a people who've committed and then backed it up with the goods. And we want to make sure that we're investing into churches who are on faith missions, not just our own story. We want to be those people. Does that make sense? It's helpful. I trust that uh, this does many things. I'll speak about what those things. And lastly, a heart for the house. And this is an investment into areas in the life of the church like you're looking at a great screen because we were able to purchase a new projector. And I want to thank you for that. We don't come to the church. And if you've been in the life of the church, there have been, in, in its 20-year history, there have been four series on finances. I think there should have been more because there's a lot of brokenness and misunderstanding in this area. But we don't come every time I ask. You want to manage and steward well. And planting a church demands a whole bunch of things, equipment. We're doing that. We're investing in that. And I'll share, we want to give people an opportunity to give into those things beyond. But we're investing in the resources. This building, so you're aware, is fully paid off. Not by a denomination, not by an American or uh, dollar-pound funder. This building was paid off by faithful people from this area who fell in love with Jesus and decided we are going to be a part of building something that leaves a legacy so that you and I can be here today. I paid not a cent for this building in its building, just so you know. I got to, like you, receive it. That gives us the privilege, but we do need our own faith stories. As we move forward as a local church, investing in what God is doing. And um, just so some of this and what it looks like. It looks like sound desk for Milnerton, for Tableview, and um, all the equipment that travels. And lastly, just something of the vision of where we want to go with the finances of the church. And I trust that you would even take this and pray into it. Say, God, make it possible. We want to get our, our operations down to 50%, which is a realistic number when I look at a number of churches that cover salaries, covers running the building, covers running air cons, covers everything that we require from maintenance. You would have seen we have the Parkland's pipes outside that keep breaking. We now need to fix the Parkland's pipes. But, um, but that's just part of what we do. This is our family. This is a, I sit with my kids often and we talk finances. Just so you're aware, my kids are ele- na- 10 Nine and six. I should get that right the first time. The ten, nine and six. But we talk money. One of my boys had his birthday recently, and someone was incredibly generous to them and gave them a beautiful gift, and he's all enamored by the gift. I said, Okay, boy, who are you gonna give a gift to? Well, what do you mean, dad? No, well, you've received something. The Bible says you've received. Now it's good to give and be like God. Oh, that's a good idea, Dad. He's literally straight answer. I'm like, yes, we're winning. The other one, a little bit harder, but he's coming at the ten thirty service. And um but, uh, but, I, but my journey as a father is to see him become like his father. Yes. I, I fall short of his father in heaven. I need him to become, and I'm telling you, it's the little principles. It's the regular realities of my life, prioritized, putting it first, saying those things become preeminent in my life. You know what happens? I stumble into order, life, and peace. And that's what I want for God's people. The last one in this thing is we want to achieve. We'd like our operations to be 20%. We'd love to be investing in the mission. Our mission is to reach. We want to invest our finances where we are. I want our youth to be able to go into schools and love our children in big ways. That's where you all need to get excited. I I want to see revival in our schools. I don't want to do any more funerals of teenagers who committed suicide. I just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. And there's only one way. It's Jesus. And he uses men and women and sometimes young men with flowing blonde locks and his partner in crime, Jeremiah Chua, and their team to go into schools and share about Jesus. We need to empower that, enable that, and facilitate that. If we want to have a future story, we want to see beyond our walls. We want to give. There are churches doing amazing works that have the privilege of meeting as we partner with in different areas of our city, let alone the world, in our city who are actually right now under financial pressure because of the economic realities of our nation. And although we aren't the most affluent church by any means, we want to be a part of the solution. We want to give not just to church. We want to give to organizations who are helping the poor, seeing organization come like Recycle, Swap Shop, Soup Kitchen. We want to see greater investment in those areas. That's where the space would come. You say, Mark, what would you do with more margin? I would give it away. I'll tell you now. I would give it away. It's not a hard thing to answer. I would give it away. That's what we want to do. And I promise you, we'll see God's favor in hand. We'll see miracles. And Heart for the House, we want to keep investing. And even as we partner in the St. Andrews Church and Presbyterian Church, we can help that mission. We can see the life of God come into that story. It's already happening. I love it. And we can invest in other areas, the schools that we're a part of that we 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 do church in at Seamount at Primary. Why can't we be a part of the answer to that school to see something of the kingdom of God rather than just oh the church has come to take? No, we're gonna be a blessing. We're gonna be a blessing. Yeah. Honestly, the giving of finances in a local church story is a miracle. It's a miracle. And we don't take it for granted, and we want to see that miracle translate into signs and wonders miracles, because that's what God promises us. Yeah. Yesterday in this room, there were people here yeah, who most of them have gone through a, a journey from addiction to freedom and recovery and journeying out, and, and, and now have been come here to this room to be trained as, I, I'm looking for some of the faces, I think there's some faces from yesterday, we guys were here, they're coming later. I don't know all the faces coming later. There's a whole team. But this whole crew came to Cape Town from all over the nation to be trained and equipped to see freedom and life come in the area of recovery from addiction. Why? Because that's what God's got for us. Freedom and life. Chains breaking. Pictures of people's lives that look like transformation and real change. Seeing transformation come to our city. I love the fact that I, I got to, to watch a video of my friend, Clint Wheeler, this week on Facebook as he's sharing about employment and um, how to get jobs in our nation. But if you knew Clint's story, you know, 10 years ago, he lived on the streets, had nothing. Now he's a man doing well in business with a beautiful wife, two ki- kids, built a house, uh, bought a house, and has, has his own father come and live with him and able to do that story. Why? Because there's been a gospel miracle transformation. And people have paid a price to see that happen. And we want to keep paying a price to see that happen. So, why do we give? Well, we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures. We've talked about this. Matthew 6 speaks about this. And my job is to share something of the Word of God so that you get a revelation of Him. Please don't do a single thing for me. Here's what you've got to know, and I've said it many times I do not know who gives. Sharon and her team run the finances. They see the bank accounts. I see income statements, balance sheets. That's all I see. And that's all I need to see. What she will say is that as a community, we have about 160, 170 regular givers and EFTs, and then we have giving and cash as well, which is amazing. But I think there's more. Why do I think there's more? It's because I know that when we give, there's a benefit to us, to our souls. There's a bigness that comes when I partner in a bigger story of the gospel. So what does it look like? Why we give? Well, we give as an act of worship. I sat with someone from our church who's from a different church background and context. And his first question to me is, why don't you ask for money? I said, well, interesting question. But not in a way like, he says, I want you to ask for money. I'm used to pastors asking me for money and sending the buckets around. Send it around one more time. One more. I just cannot do that. That's why I would never take up an offering after speaking about money. I would never take up an offering now. I would hate anyone to give out of my conviction. I want you to have your own convictions. But I know that when I give, it's my first act of worship every month. It's a decision. I don't do an automatic EFT payment. Why? Because I want my soul to go, I want to participate in the kingdom of God. It's a decision my wife and I have made many years ago. And we want to teach that. We want to share that. Secondly, I give because I I love people. And I know that people will benefit on the other side of the giving. And I know that it's good for my soul that they never know. Why do I believe in tithing? Not as a law, but as a helpful principle the gospel gave us before it was a law and after it was a law. God gives us some helpful principles like brushing your teeth in the morning is a helpful principle. Like eating food regularly is a helpful principle. Giving is a regular, consistent giving is a helpful principle for a Christian soul. And it pulls me into a bigger story. And I find my heart growing where my money goes. We give as an act of freedom. Like I said, it's it's freely you give. I I wouldn't even know how to phone anyone and say, Why haven't you given this money? Because I don't know. It's for my soul. So I never want to be a guy saying, hey, my money's coming from earth. The resources of this church don't come from earth. They come from heaven. God will support and resource His vision. Otherwise, it's not His. But where there's faith, I think God will keep pouring out. And I want to partner in that. And we give as an act of trust. In Matthew 6, seek first God's kingdom and all these things will be added. When I place my trust in Jesus... Financially, because Jesus speaks much about money. When I place my trust there, my heart follows, my life follows, order begins to come. I'm convinced of it. So what do we give? And some people are like, Mark, if I teach you today. Well, I am. Because the Bible does give a man. It says, teach him how, not just what. How? how. The reality in our church, I've sat down with people and they go, you keep, I mean, I've got the Bible, but you, but you keep asking me to turn to the book of Mark. I've just got the Bible. And I'm not making a mockery of that. I remember celebrating that moment as someone who doesn't know anything, going on a journey to find out the love of Jesus. I realized we need to teach. Like I teach my children, my heart has had to be taught. I remember sitting down when I got my first paycheck, and I'd been in church for years and going sitting with one of the businessmen who I seen had walked for many years. I said, can you teach me? What does this thing of finances look like? We need that. There are people in this church running businesses who need that. I sat with some of the others. I said, you need that. You need men and women who can invest in your life because there's gifts of order upon their lives. It's a gift of generosity. Will we give a portion? And 2 Corinthians 8, give according to your means, but in another way of saying, give a portion of your income. Give it faithfully, but give a portion of your income. Make a decision. I promise you what you're not going to do, because I don't. I don't wake up necessarily always unless it's something of God in my life saying, I want to give it all away. I don't, I don't, I, my heart defaults to smallness. Man's heart has always defaulted to smallness. Ladies, I'm just saying man's because it's easier to say one, but some of you are like, yes, men. <laughs> but we give a portion of God's kingdom, and I believe, and we practice, it's the only thing, the only group of people I ask if they give in the life of the church is the eldership team. It's the only team, it's the only people. Because I can't call us to something if the leadership team aren't on board and living that life and modeling and leading that life, and um, we give a portion, we give a first portion. Matthew six seek first God's kingdom. We give it first. I remember a student loan to pay a forty-eight thousand rand student loan to a twenty-one year old in two thousand was a lot of money. Like, what if I just paid that off quicker? The compound interest would be less, and all the are like he's right, and um, but that's not where my heart finds peace. My heart finds peace in the God Almighty, and I can tell you stories now, testimonies that I have now that I didn't have 20 years ago, but I'm grateful to God for His faithfulness. We give a portion of our income that God gives, and however He benefits us, salaries, whatever He speaks, and lastly, we give to the advance of God's kingdom through the church. I believe in the local church. I believe God's kingdom is called to be advanced through the local church. I believe in what He's done. I always have. And I could take you the, through the books from before the, 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 print, the law of tithing to before to after. We don't have time for that today. I'm just sharing what we practice as a church, as we partner. And here's the challenge of these things. I would ask that if you're saying, well, Mark, I have no margin. margin's not a word. I believe margin is very much about what Jesus brings to our life. If salvation is a spacious place, if that's what Yasa means, he wants us to live in spaciousness. So I would encourage you in your life and as you order your life to allow the gospel to come in your story and start on an intentional journey towards margin in your finances. And if you can't give a cent right now, please don't leave this room going, "Ah, oh, I can never go back to church. This is cool. I don't have to trip over this anymore. I can just No, that's not the objective today. The objective today is, well, if you're not on a journey, start a journey, find a vision for your finances that involves giving to God's kingdom and not just to the church. I promise you as a leadership and my wife and I, as leaders in this house, we will lead the way in our giving. We give beyond just to the church and we do that for my own soul to place my trust in Jesus because without that, we are nothing. Our Father who art in heaven is a statement to my soul that who defaults to smallness, my trust is in Jesus. Hallowed be thy name means I trust you. God calls us to that story. We give how we give consistently, sacrificially, joyfully, but also expectantly. 2 Corinthians 9, the Bible says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. We don't like these scriptures always because oh, I'm, I'm not a prosperity guy and the prosperity guys have abused that. I don't care who's abused what. I just have the word of God that speaks to my soul, directs my steps, and I want to follow. Yes, yes, yes. That's it. And I want that for your life. I know there's freedom in life on the other side of allowing God's will and his ways to touch every part of my life. Imagine someone's getting baptized and, I mean, we've seen it. They don't want their head underwater. No, I want my everything in Jesus. I don't just want, well, Jesus touch my ability to do church on a Sunday well. Jesus, if you could just make me nicer to my wife, she would be happy with that. No, I need him to touch every area of my life. I'm at an airport on Friday trying to get home to my family. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in an airport, four hours delay. Awesome. No air con in the airport. Awesome. Get on the plane, zero air con. We are literally sweating in the full plane. The lady's newspaper was on my leg. I'm like, please, can you move that? I'm just dying under here. It, it's, it's, it's not convenient. It's costly. It's all those things. Why was I telling that story? Help me here, Someone. That has, oh, that's a first, Those signs of being 41. And, um, but, but, but I wanted to get home. Yeah, I got no idea why I told that story. Let's just move on. I was going to try to link it, but uh, that's a goner. <laughs> uh, only 41, imagine 51. <laughs> yeah. But I want to say in your life, find a, find a vision. Why have we spoken about eternity first? Why have we present? Because people don't think about it. I've loved hearing the feedback of some of the conversations from small groups. As, as the Bible Scriptures has affronted many people's thoughts about facts, like heaven is real and hell is real. And when we stop re-preaching both of those, we're not preaching the Bible anymore. But we have to make sure that our vision is one of Jesus is bigger than the here and now. And we sing songs like, like if there's suffering on this side, that there's an eternal hope in Jesus that has to begin to fashion how I walk on this side of eternity. Because yes, I am 41 and the last 20 years seems to have gone very quickly. But I want to make sure that every day is invested in Jesus. I honestly believe that He is the only way to life and freedom. And so next year we are going to, as we turn 21 next year, we, we were going to have a 20th celebration. Then we thought about it: Is we're not those people. We do 21st parties. So we are having a 21st party, and starting in the month, we're going to be kicking off with 21 days of prayer and fasting, and then we're going to have speakers coming and join us, men and women like Wally and Shirley, who've invested in the story for years. Rory Dyer is coming over three or four weeks just to celebrate what God has done. But as part of that, we are calling the church, and I'm going to mention it now so we can start bringing order and margin, and we are going to be calling the church to a special offering, which I haven't done for years in the life of this church to invest in the future to see the kingdom story extended in the city so that we can give away more so we can invest this building needs some investment and and to make space and there's the potential and possibility of getting some land next door to put parking there so you don't have to hobble over my mole hills and and we don't have to irritate neighbors and we could make some more space for friends to join us who don't know they need Jesus yet Allow order and peace and put that as something of a vision in your life now. Say, so actually, maybe I don't have margin now in November. How is it November? I love the way everyone walks around and goes, how is it November? Well, it was October last month. It's December next month. That's how it's November. But, but it's not a surprise. But February, March are going to come. Allow space and margin to come into your world. Keep some margin. Rather, keep a seed to see a future harvest. Navigate those things. So key takeaways, if you're currently giving and partnering, I want to say thank you. And, and thank you for your faith. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your generosity. Um, I, I don't know who you are, but there's a father who does, and it doesn't matter that I don't, or any man or woman. But I trust, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for partnering. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for every cent. And Sharon will tell me there's some small amounts and there's some big amounts. So I, I thank God for every cent that he gives. We don't take any cent or moment for granted. I want to say thank you. For those who cannot give right now, I want to say allow order and peace to come into your finances. Where does it start? On your knees before living God. Say, God, show me your word and allow your word to fashion my life. Right now we have a nation that's in debt. We have, I believe, injustice and corruption and it starts where people offering credit lower limits so that others can get more credit. I hate the fact that people buy things on lay-by and all the time, and that's it, because that's where the money's owned, and the the interest starts pouring, I hate the fact, those are the greatest chains of our age, and I promise you, we need to fight to be free of those things, which might look like you might need to change your spending habits. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Don't be the Christmas turkey. I remember, hey Jen, you remember that preach, Rory Dyer preached once, don't be the Christmas turkey. What is that? Well, you buy into the big promise that on the other side of that one gift, that one thing, there is freedom and love and joy. But in January, you realize it was just another chain pulling you down. So everyone's trying to return it. Let's not be those people. Let's find freedom come, order come. Um, And as we allow that order to come in our lives, there's a joy, a greater joy. For those who don't give and want for whatever reason, if you want to sit down and talk about a theology of tithing, let's talk. Let's sit down, but let's not just, well, I'm here, so that's why I'm, my heard one person. Say, no, don't live in reaction to anyone. Live in revelation, and that'll lead to life. Because when we live in revelation, we realize in Jesus there's always more. Because of the how much more of our Father in heaven. We navigate these things. And I want to tell you, this is how I fight my battles. I buy into a God story at every level. I allow my life, my time, my talents, my treasures to be fully submerged in Jesus. And I see a young man like Josh playing drums most weeks on Friday nights. He's here serving the youth. They're in schools and I'm going, hey God, what have you got for him? But I know he's investing in a future harvest that is greater than he could ever understand or imagine. Why? Because I was that guy. I was that guy. I was the guy with a three-liter Cortina Bucky. So the only thing I could do at church was move chairs from Glenwood to a circus tent in Grayville, in Durban. And that's what I did with my mates. And thank God for those days. I never preached, I never led worship, and I never wanted to become a pastor, to be brutally honest. But I thank God for what he did, moving chairs, so that people could encounter the grace of God. God showed me something in those moments. No seed ever sown with faith will not bear fruit. Every seed sown with faith Will bear fruit. And lastly, it's because this is what we do, and I was gonna preach a whole section around the testings of Jesus. We're not gonna do that this morning. I want to bring bigness to your heart. See, the gospel was a transaction. This is where we get language wrong. The gospel was a transaction. There is a debt to be paid. Don't forget what the gospel's about. The gospel was a gruesome transaction. My debt, my sin, my brokenness for the Son of God. His life, His blood. It's the greatest transaction that ever took place. Now, I don't match a transaction with a transaction. I match a transaction with my surrender to who God is in my life. And when I allow that to happen, I start walking like someone touched by the grace of God. I start stumbling into miracles. I start stumbling into generosity, and I look back and go, wow, that wasn't me five years ago, but that's me now. God God speaks through revelation of his word. I've got a little six-year-old. He's in the school play. He's walking around, and his statement in the school play is Philippians, um, let your gentleness be evident to all. I've got a little kid reciting, thank you, Jane" his lines. And every time I want to get grumpy, that's what I was talking about. I want to get grumpy with an airplane guy who's not, who crashed the stairs into the back of the plane because that's what happened. I want to get grumpy with the lady whose, 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 whose newspaper touches my leg and I'm sweating like a sauna under her newspaper. I've got a little six-year-old voice telling me the word of God because the Bible says I don't live on bread alone. I live by every word the Father speaks. That revelation breaks into my heart. I go, I can be like Jesus. And I lay down some of my selfish agendas. I lay down some of my own preferences. I am a fighter. If you don't know me, I grew up really small. Which meant you either learn to hide or you fight. I learned to fight with something more powerful than a bicep. It was called a mouth. I learned to fight. And now I've got a six-year-old walking around the house. Thank you, Jen, again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I'm going, shut up. I don't want to be gentle with the Kaluliga. guy. I don't want to be gentle with the lady in a newspaper. I don't want to be, but I want to be like Jesus. See, I remembered why the story was. <laughs> Church, we can't be awkward about finances. We, we ask questions of each other as leaders. Are there areas in your life where there's been dealings financially that are out of line? We, we ask those questions. And I, if you don't have people who are asking you those questions, you need to get people in your world who will ask you those questions. But not just are the things out of line. Is everything that should be in line, in line? Help us, Jesus. Yeah, help us, Jesus. Because I'm telling you, too often the church looks too much like the world. We're meant to be Changing the world, leading the way. Let's lead the way in generosity. It starts at home with your family. Then the family of God that he calls us to sow into. Then the poor and the broken of our city. And then beyond that, as he increases the margin in our world to love those. And you're saying, some of us, honestly, I've said it before. I have a home. I live in a home where my cars have a house called a garage. And it kills me. When I drive into areas like the noon and see the work the teams go in every week to do, where people of six or seven people will live in that same space easily. It confronts a lot of things in my heart. But when it stops confronting and challenging my heart, when my heart stops seeing those things and being challenged, I promise you we're in trouble. And my journey to become like Jesus is challenged. Can we stand please? I want to say thank you again. I am. Um, thank you for your faith. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for being big hearted people. Thank you. But I wish I could just say, let's stop here. We've done enough. I wish I could say, the story's over. I can stop. Sacrificing, we can stop being people who give, we can stop that journey. And I wish I could say that, the gospel doesn't say that. The gospel calls us to having hearts that are ever increasing. The gospel calls us to be sacrificial like Jesus. See, I can do nothing for my salvation, only Jesus. So I don't give a cent thinking he's going to love you more, he won't. You know what happens? He starts pouring out over our lives because we're just good stewards. We're just faithful servants who he knows he can entrust with more. You and I are just faithful servants. Whether you have hardly any money coming into the bank monthly or you have a lot, you're just a faithful servant. You're just a conduit of the grace of God. You're just someone God said, I want to use. Can we close our eyes for a second, please? As I need a shoot to Milton. I don't normally do that, but I'm going to be doing that today. I pray for every heart here today, Jesus. Have your way, King Jesus. Move us with what moves your heart. Shift and change the smallnesses of my thinking so that I could be like you, God. I want to be like my Father. I just want to be like you, King Jesus.